Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with the man, myth, the legend, Mr. Jonathan Twombly. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing very, very well. So I just read an article uh, about multifamily, specifically larger apartments. Uh, from I think it was Realty Mogul. I'll put the link below in the description once this is loaded. Uh, talking about rents getting soft. Q3, as you know, is usually a strong uh, quarter because it's the summer quarters. People move in, move out, get schools, all of that. Rents were down 0.4%. Usually they're up. Uh, vacancies uh, were up a full percentage point, although historically still pretty good at only 4.1%. Uh, but there's a lot of things going on in the multifamily space. You and I have talked about higher rates, higher cap rates, inflation and costs, labor, taxes, insurance. And now we're kind of losing the revenue side. So lots of stuff going on in the apartment space. And uh, I think there's some there's some pain ahead just as as we kind of level set across the board. But you're you're in that game. So I thought I would ask you. Yeah, I mean, listen, so what I'm seeing is that, uh, I, I mean, Multifamily has had an extraordinary run over the last couple of years. So right? he's had a he's had a really good run for ten or twelve years now. But the last two years were really just pretty nuts. And I think everybody kind of recognizes that that you know pricing went to a level that nobody expected because nobody in 2019 nobody thought it could possibly go any higher than it was, and then it did, right? And uh, and rents, you know, nobody thought rents could accelerate more than they. They were you know, already accelerating and then they did, right? So I think what you're seeing now is a lot of, frankly, just reversion to the mean, right? I mean, I we're, just, we're just going back to, I mean, we're not even going back to normal yet, right? We're just going back to where it was in 2019, which everybody thought was extraordinary. But the problem is that when you go from like super off the charts, incredible to just like really good, uh, it feels painful, right? So, um, and that's that's what the industry is going through right now. It is going through a, a, a bit of a painful readjustment because a lot of things are hitting at the same time, right? So obviously, like you mentioned, inflation has driven up the cost of running apartments. Um, in, people are pushing back on the extraordinary rent increases uh, because frankly, they just don't have the money. I, I think frankly, I think, I think independent of inflation, I think you would be seeing this anyway, because the rent increases, I mean, you were talking last year, last couple of years, people, you know, on lease renewal, ha- getting like $500, you know, increases in their rents, right? They're getting like 25, 30% increases in the rents, and they were paying it, right? But they could afford that maybe once. You can't do that every year, right? Agreed. And expect people to stay. So uh, I-, I think the the time of the extraordinary lease rent increases was going was going to end anyway but inflation now taking a bite out of people's you know paychecks uh not just in terms of rent but in terms of everything else means that they really are people just you're not going to get those kinds of rent increases again so i think what we're seeing is a little bit of a more of like a return to uh 
to normality in, in the apartments space, right? Yeah, I th- but you know, you and I have been doing this a long time and you and I, well, first and foremost, I sold a couple of apartment buildings in 19 because you're right. I didn't think they'd go any higher. And it turns out I lost half a million bucks because they did. It happens. Um, but now as I sit here kind of in, in late 22, I'm looking at the deals that were done in 2020, 2021. You and I have talked about the horrible debt structure, short-term IO, you know, often called bridge debt, uh, you know, value add opportunities. You and I have talked about assets retrading two or three times. Mm-hmm. in these windows. Yeah. Uh, and you and I both know there were some horribly aggressive assumptions on the positive side. Now yeah. that we've got reversion to the mean, and I would argue a trend, there's going to be a lot of pain. And, you know, there's some deals that, that could be, ver- that, that, w- that will be hurt. The question is, is, yeah. is how many I suspect. Yeah. So, I mean, so really, so let's just, take a step back and like make an analogy to the great financial crisis, right? Sure. The, the properties that got hit, the, you know, it wasn't that, uh, you know, across the board, people lost their homes because they, their mortgage rates reset or, you know, they were underwater. It was really the people who bought at the absolute top, right? Were the ones who got foreclosed on. Essentially, like in retrospect, because at the time everybody thought that they were doing the right thing, but in retrospect, it turned out that they overpaid for those properties because they bought at the top, right? And they, the intrinsic value wasn't there. I think we're seeing the same thing in multifamily, which is to say that if you bought three, four years ago, right? You, you have like good fixed, fixed rate debt in place, um, you were gonna be fine, right? You may you're probably going to return to what your original underwriting was like, right. For your five-year hold, Right. So you're you're going to be disappointed because you're not going to get like when your expectations reset to this extraordinary level over the last two years, because the market went nuts, like you're going to be disappointed on that expectation, but you're not going to be like in trouble. You're not going to lose money. Right. It's not going to make as much money. Like, you know, your eyes got real big. The last couple of years and like you're going to have to dial it back to reality but that's fine right those people will be fine the people who are going to have an issue are the people who are like as you just mentioned bought bought at the top in the last couple of years used uh you know very aggressive debt in in order to get those deals across the finish line right those people are going to have a hard time and the reason for that is now if you look at the debt structures they were using there there was a lot of Bridge debt, that was variable rate, right? Now, if you bought variable rate, so a lot of those bridge, so the bridge lenders are willing to lend to you much more aggressively. Obviously, the interest rates are higher, but they're they're willing to lend to you more aggressively, like give you more interest only, give you more proceeds, because it's not meant to be long-term debt. It's meant to be short-term debt. You're supposed to carry out your value add and refinance in a, you know, in a year or two and get out. So you're going to, you know, you're willing to pay higher interest for that because it's short term, right? But people were starting to use bridge debt a little more like permanent debt. They were stretching out the terms like three years plus, you know, two or three years of extensions, blah, 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 right? Because they couldn't get bank debt because the banks were like, these things don't underwrite according to our underwriting, our underwriting standards. So 
they so people were were using more aggressive and and frankly risky debt products in order to get deals done, right? And so what's going to happen though is just like in the great financial crisis where everybody a lot of people did bad deals on the expectation that the market was going to keep on rising and they would just sell out of it. Exactly the same thing happened in multifamily this time around, where the the craziness of the last two years led everybody to believe that they would just be able to flip out for you know in two years after they did their value add because it was all going to be great. Yeah. What's happened now though is that you know because interest rates are now rising. The first problem for some people is if they had variable rate debt and they didn't buy a rate cap, right? Then they're already in a world of pain right now because their mortgages are now more expensive, right? Significantly more. Yeah. Significantly more expensive. And they may be having trouble literally paying their mortgage. So the, some people who were the most aggressive, who you know, went for these variable rate product, <laughs> debt products didn't buy rate caps because they thought they weren't necessary or they just didn't want to spend the money, those people are in big trouble, right? Now, or they bought the rate caps too high, right? Because they wanted to save money. They didn't buy them low enough, right? Those people are, are, are potentially in trouble, right? Because uh, now what they have to do is that value add that they do, they've got to get a lot more rent to increase, increase their NOI just to make debt service now. And they're probably in the middle of that process. So it's not completed, right? And then we talked about a moment ago that rents are softening. Well, so now their expectations of super high rent bumps you know, may not be realizable, right? So that, that's the first group of people who's in trouble. The second group of people who's in trouble are maybe they're not in trouble right now. Maybe they're making their debt service now because they bought uh, you know, fixed rate, either got fixed rate debt or they bought a rate cap to cap their increases. But what they're going to find when they need to write, if they have to refinance next year, right, or maybe 2024, they're going to find that they're exiting into a completely different interest rate environment with, you know, cap rates being higher, valuations being lower, and the proceeds they're able to get, excuse me, being much lower, or at least being lower than their, than their exit, you know, projection. So the, the lucky ones in that group will just make less money. They'll be able to refinance, but they'll really, they just won't produce a good return. The mm -hmm. unlucky ones uh, are the ones who are not going to be able to refinance, right? And they're going to be forced to sell. So I think what a lot of us are now looking at in the business is that finally the opportunity that we've been waiting for may be around the corner where yeah. there's going yeah. to be some people who have to sell right. and they have to get realistic about prices and that maybe that will cause, you know, prices overall to soften a bit and make the buying opportunities a bit better. Now, obviously, I mean, a lot of people that are in the business, you know, like they're owners and buyers, right? So they don't, you know, they, they don't want property prices to go down too much because they own stuff. But on the other hand, if they've structured their deals correctly, right, they'll be fine. They can just always extend their hold period. You know, time is your friend in real estate. They'll make, sure. they'll make money in the long run. Uh, you know, but like I said, the it's, and you know, we have these conversations all the time. Nobody's wishing ill on their colleagues. Like nobody wants anyone to fail. However, it's not, you know, it, if, if some guy out there did a bad deal and like the interest rate environment changed, it's not my fault, right? Like I didn't oh. do, I didn't cause his problem, yeah. but it, it is my opportunity. So, I mean, I think that's what we're looking yeah, for. This, this is the environment that I thought we would, I thought we would be in in early 2020 since I, you know, again, I, yeah. I took action and sold and the pandemic well, kind of 
gotten right, away. But nobody, nobody predicted the. I mean, I did, I was in the exact same position. I sold at the same time for the same reasons, and I think it was the the right choice at the right time. I, do, I agree. Yeah. You, you, nobody, you know, like kicking yourself because you didn't predict the unpredictable is not really worthwhile, no. right? So I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, uh, but I do think that. In fact, it might be a little bit worse now than it would have that's, been. That's where I was going is I thought it would be uncomfortable in 2020. I think this is going to be bad. I mean, I have seen, I mean, just my Facebook feed and all these other social media feeds, just the amount of deals done in the last 12 months that I just did cursory reviews of. I'm like, how can that pencil? And they yeah. got done and they got all this LP money. I'm like, there's going to be a lot of people that lost. So well, listen, uh, I mean, the, there was a, there was a, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there was a, no. there was such a frenzy amongst LPs for deals in the last 24 months. I I had, you know, I have friends telling me that they, they fully sold out deals in 15 minutes, right? And, and it, you only have that kind of environment when there is a little bit of a feeding frenzy and, and kind of a bubble going on, right? And the fear of missing out is, is there. I, I don't think that you're going to see that again for quite some time. It's going oh, to be it'll harder. be it'll be a decade. This this is this yeah. is going to hurt. This is it's going to be hurt. harder for people to raise capital. But on the other hand, like you know, I I and I think a lot of people, it, it's sort of like a weird situation where, yeah, if you manage to get a deal and then you sell it for more than you expected because the market went crazy. And you're hoping, well, maybe you can do that once or twice more before the market changes. I mean, it's great if you if you time everything absolutely right. But I think a lot of people are kind of, if they're smart, they're sort of white knuckling it the whole time, right? They're hoping right. that they're going to get out, and they're and they're planning to get out, right? But if, but I think for there is a certain segment of the market that just will take whatever the current situation is and just extrapolate it into the future forever, and decide like everything's, you know, this is the new reality. This is the new paradigm, right? We've all, we're, you and I are both old enough to remember those oh, phrases, yeah. right? So, yep. and, and I've been kind of waiting for this to happen for quite some time, but it didn't play out, obviously it didn't play out the way I expected, right? I mean, I thought, Either. I didn't think the pandemic, I didn't think the pandemic was coming, nobody did, right? When it happened, didn't think it was, thought, didn't think it was gonna lead to, I thought the pandemic was gonna lead to the crash, not to a bubble bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. yeah. So I think, I think what we have in front of us is again, I think if we were going to head into 2020, again, I sold in 19, I thought we'd have a, a year and a half of negative kind you know, some people would be, un, it, would, it would be basically an uncomfortable environment, but probably right. nobody gets crushed. Now people are going to get crushed. And I think it's going to take years to kind of unravel, you know, the, these it's all about the debt structure blowing up over time, can't refi, can't get out, force seller. A lot of these GPs don't really have any meaningful skin in the game. These new operators, it's, um, there's there's a lot of pain coming. So we have two more topics. I'm gonna, well, we're gonna tie into this one. Go ahead. Before we jump off this topic though, what, one thing I wanna say, one thing that's different about this environment than the last environment is the presence of the non-bank lenders, right? Correct. All these bridge, all these bridge lenders. Now, when it, so last time around, you and I, a couple of years ago, you know, you and I used to talk about pretend and extend a lot, right? We haven't talked about pretend and extend for a while, but we used to talk about that a lot. And, and, and in the last, you know, the, the lesson the banks learned from the last financial crisis was you can't dump a lot of foreclosed properties on the market all at once because all you do is drive the, the value of your assets. It's all bad. It's further, all bad. Right? 
So what they do is they dribble them out a little, you know, they extend people, they kind of, they try to manage the inventory in such a way that it never really hits the market or it hits, the, you know, they're only, they're picking their buyers, right? They're yeah. being very selective about it, right? Now that's banks and banks, you know, have like an implicit government guarantee behind them, right? So the sure. banks also know that like, the government's not going to let them go out of business, right? But, you know, these private, the hedge funds, the private equity funds, the debt funds. The whole non-QM space, yep. Right, that are all involved in this alternative lending space of, of bridge loans, right? Yeah. Now, I don't think that those, I think that those folks are going to find themselves in a world of hurt and they may be fire selling assets because, and frankly, they may be, the alternative is that they go bankrupt and then all these assets are tied up in bankruptcy for years, right? Agreed. So, and, you know, they can't be sold yet, even though everybody wants out. You know, the seller, the owners want out, the LPs want out, the head, the lenders want out, everybody wants out, but they're going to be caught in this like legal morass for two or three years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of what uh, is different about this time. And, and we'll see how that plays out. So um, you know, just food for thought. No, it's it's going to be very interesting. And again, I think we we delayed kind of what we should have been paying in 2020. Uh, that just means this next thing is is going to be more. It's going to become operationally harder. Uh, the interest rate environment's different. Uh, it's going to be harder. Can you imagine being a GP reaching out to somebody for a capital call in the environment we're in now? That's not going to be fun. So, uh, lots of great stuff, Jonathan. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of places you can find me, but one thing, I mean, I was thinking about this before we got on the call. There's a lot of pain out there and um, that actually makes me excited. And it's not because I'm a sadist, it's because, you know, if you're an investor, it's times of distress that create the most opportunity. I really do think that finally the environment that I've been waiting for for a long time is around the corner, you know, probably the next 12 to 18 months. And so if you are thinking about getting into the multifamily business, now is the time to start learning, start building your network, start building your investor base. Because if you wait for the you know, if you wait for the time when everybody's saying now's the time to buy, it's going to be way too late. So the, the time to get started on this is right now. So if you're interested in this, I have this great free checklist that takes you through the entire process of how you do multifamily deals. And if you want to syndicate them, how you do that too. And it's free. All you have to do is go to my website and you can download it. Uh, just go to apartmentinvestorsclub.com uh, and you'll find the download there. So uh, unfortunately I don't have it in front of me today. I know Michael, you have the link, you can put it in the show notes, but I will. I really encourage you to go grab that download uh, and start, you know, if this is something that you're thinking about doing, um, like I said, now is the time to start getting your ducks in a row. Awesome. And again, I totally agree with you. That will actually be episode number two. I think the environment you and I were preparing for and got bamboozled uh, is right in front of us. So I'm, I like you, I'm excited. You know, opportunity lives behind fear. Fear is right here uh, for a lot of people. So I'm ecstatic. So Jonathan, thank you so much. Absolutely.